The opinions expressed in the following are those of its participants and do not necessarily reflect those of the producers and the Six Talk Podcast Network. Also, the following contains mature material and mild language, which may not be suitable for all audiences. Discretion is advised. This is the Anime Roundtable Canada, presented by Anime North. On this Sunday afternoon, September 11th, 2022, you can contact us online on the web, AnimeRoundtable.com, Twitter and Instagram at AnimeRoundtable, and you can email us, AnimeRoundtable at gmail.com. Hey, we're going to meet Quota for this month. Actually, uh, I think this is the third year in a row we're taping on September 11th. We've had way too much time for starters in the past. We don't really have it right now as much. And this is one of those... Beating a dead horse type things. And maybe that's almost disrespectful considering what happened on this day 21 years ago. So, I mean, whenever we did the September 11th episodes in the past two years, we've always added our long reflections on September 11th. And I don't think we need to add too much more except just to acknowledge now it's been 21 years since that some of those uh, people are now adults, as I saw with, uh, you know how they have like the cursed images on uh, Twitter and stuff like that, Mike? So the cursed image was you have to be this old to buy your cigarettes or something like that, and they have like a date. So I guess it must have been recently they had 2001, September 11th as the date you had to be born both like uh, after or something like that to buy, I guess the alcohol to buy, or the well, cigarettes and stuff like that. And you're just like, Holy smokes. I forget, that just- like I, I, I'm so far away removed from that age. So 21 in Ontario, is that to drink? No, that not here uh, in the States. That was from the okay, States. That's in the States. I think it's 19 for, for, but yeah, that, that image was from the States, obviously, but it still makes you remember and say, wow, it's like time just flies right mm-hmm. by because they're like in university or they're adults and stuff like that. And we could have said that the last two years, but definitely uh, makes you think, right? Always does whenever uh, this day comes. And it gets more blurry and maybe less emotional if you didn't have an attachment, like a direct attachment to anything that happened that day. And but, a lot of them are probably now familiar with what New York skyline looks now, right? So yeah, the that's the thing version. too, yeah. And, and I always said that, well, for us, we didn't have a direct involvement. We didn't lose anybody. It doesn't, of course, it doesn't go away for those who were directly affected. And you respect that. Maybe that's as much as I'm, I'm, I'm willing to say on it right now, or today. 
well, until next year. But it's it's always a reflective day whenever the anniversary of September 11th comes by. And they're definitely doing, as you said, reflections in that in New York, Pennsylvania, and obviously in Washington, D.C., like they always do. And I think even the one... Uh, at uh, New York City, of course, I've, I'm guessing it's near where the Twin Towers were still, of course. But they've always made it a nonpartisan event. And to keep that going is incredible. And they are very clear to all of them. They say, you can come, but we're here to remember the victims and the lives lost that day and stuff like that. And to read out the names and to uh, give a day of remembrance. And anything else should not be said. You know what I mean? And it's impressive that they've kept it and kept people in line especially when you think about where the u.s has been the last decade right yeah okay but that isn't of course the only thing in the news and that's actually very much a back burner headline this week i guess we're going to hear about the queen for uh, at least the minutes. next week and stuff like oh, that no, the well, funeral well, is well, until we'll the 19th so yeah and we're not going to talk about it at length here uh, James, let's save that. I do want to save a longer conversation, but we only have so much time today. So, I mean, is there something you want to say just quickly beforehand? I know. I, I know- guess more of the interesting thing was that that day we had heard in the morning there were health issues and stuff like that. And it went from that to in the afternoon, she's dead. And so it was kind of like, wow, that just kind of happened because think about it. It's like, you probably would have said, oh, health issues and stuff like that. And you'd think a few days later or something like that, right? Something would happen, but it was just kind of crazy how quickly it culminated and stuff like that. I, I guess, but, of, but as you might expect, there's a degree of guard, you know, no, of, obviously of they have guardedness and obviously they were rushing to her side. So we knew it was serious when you see all of them rushing. Well, to when the word came that, like that. Uh, yeah, that Charles and William and the rest well, of the Charles family. was already there and so was Princess Anne, but mm-hmm. the rest of them were rushing there. And you can tell that because poor William, he was driving not just uh, Edward and then uh, his wife, which were thankfully, I'm sure they were glad they were in the back seat because guess who was beside William in the passenger seat? It was, yeah, it was, it was Andrew, and Andrew. I'm just thinking, that's not the person I that, want that driving be beside me. Of, it's like, well, with, what's happened to him over recent years? Yes. And then, of course, Harry got there a good hour and a half after. So, and that's another story. Uh, but yeah, it's one of those here. things, I guess, for us is being in the Commonwealth. And this is really the only queen and monarch a lot of us have ever known. So, it's interesting to see, obviously, how things uh, go from here and stuff like that. And obviously, we won't get any holidays, but the people in the UK will. So I'm sure they'll be happy for that. Well, yeah. Well, considering where I work, I get no holiday regardless. As I said, uh, let, I, I do want to have a longer conversation about this, maybe towards the uh, the funeral date. And because I've always held, and it's not necessarily a supporter, it's just I've always held fascination with royal families, whether it's uh, the British royal family or the um, Japanese imperial family, as we've, ta- as we've talked about here on this podcast in the past, especially when we had our conversation with Fred Schott three years ago. And it's interesting, the different directions, obviously, they have went and stuff like that. The British monarchy to modernize the monarchy and stuff like that, and some of it not by their own will, and then... You said, uh, we've talked about before, the Japanese imperial family, how they're actually decreasing instead of increasing and how they're going to have to fight that. But the other thing we talk about is 
the people behind the crown because sometimes the institution is its own thing, but then you have the people behind it. And as you said, there's definitely a dialectic, even in the Japanese imperial family, between who holds the crown now, of course, and what, I guess, the more conservative or the people, the handlers, as they say, feel the imperial family should be, as yeah, we yeah. talked so, about before. Said, you know what I mean? There's a clash, and it's happened. There's probably versions of that clash on both sides of the, on both sides of the ocean. Mm-hmm. So... As I said, let's. I, I do want us to have that long, uh, a longer conversation about that, either with you or with others at some point in the near future. And I, I get it; it's too far away and off the beaten path for the anime and manga wrote streets. But in some ways, especially when we talk the imper- uh, the imperial family in Japan, there's a certain parallel. There's some. There's a connect. There's uh, something worth talking about there, especially. Once again, I'd always like to think that if you are an anime and manga fan, you have some, some interest in the Japanese culture that's also depicted on in it. So maybe you would hold some degree of interest in current events as well. And the institutions that exist there, because sometimes that helps inform some of what you see a good chunk of what you see in the uh, anime and manga we've all become fans of. And remember, as Anime North has, uh, has evolved over the years, it's, there's been increasing focus on, on cultural topics as well. And uh, something tells me it wasn't lost on whoever handled the anime programming at Fan Expo either, right, Kevin? Just to mm-hmm. pull you in the conversation. Just want to get you away from uh, reading Sekirei. I know you're trying to speed rush uh, reading Sekirei. No, I'm actually right now just trying to brush up quickly on what we're going to talk about in a little bit. Yeah, okay. Um, but I guess, yeah, no, I heard that uh, with some of the stuff uh, beforehand, like Fan Expo, that I guess they had someone else there now and they've kind of revamped a bit of the anime programming or whatever they consider it now and stuff like that i forgot um right now i can't bring up his name i've talked with him a couple times uh, via twitter chat and yeah yeah i know others know his name just i have to look up look at my chats in a bit just to be to remember myself i was just thinking more that remember like over like it feels like it's getting further and further away but remember when it was like CN anime and then the Comic-Con and all this other stuff before Fan Expo and even the first years of Fan Expo, you still had that, that strong anime uh, component and then it just kind of dried up, dried up, dried up. That's why we stopped doing the uh, game shows and stuff like that and that it was all about getting the big guests and getting these big names and stuff like that and being the Comic-Con, I guess, of Canada and stuff like that. So it's kind of interesting to see them diversify a little bit and i'm guessing they have enough uh, room in the uh, self-building of the uh, toronto convention center to get some different panels in there and stuff like that see the thing with the whole guest situation is that you'll look at sdcc and they'll still get japanese guests mind you not that many maybe one or two and it's noteworthy but they would be noteworthy but we don't get any of that nowadays. Well, it helps yeah. to be where San Diego is and help the have the reputation, yeah, that's long going, ongoing reputation they've had. Fan Expo is granted up there, but 
it's not that that nowhere close to the SD uh, SDCC level right now. And but I know that's what they aspire to. I'm not going to say they'll get there, but it, and but they are very much. Dare I say second best? Are they? Can we say they're definitely second, sec, uh, number two, but uh, destined two? Well, well, there's I, New York Comic Con as well. Hmm? There's New York Comic Con as well. Okay, and so but that's large. more, and that's a that's a more recent thing too. But are, and they you did know, no, honestly, out. honestly, if push comes to shove, and if there was somebody who cared enough to get these kinds of guests, it would have happened. That's a fair why statement. Do you, why do you That's think a fair T, statement. Why do you think TCAF will bring a manga guest every year? Because they care. I, I think that's more in the and they're And they're a younger, newer show relative and, to Fan Expo and at a much smaller scale. And they're... Yeah, I, I understand. And, and they had some it's connections probably a, too. The connections... And yes, connections play into it. But, but it's also who runs it and the mentality of the people who ran it and started it. And it was about getting creators. That. That's the other key thing is getting creators to TCAF. I think that is a big thing that gets those guests and stuff like that and the will to do it, as Kevin said. Because the last time I think I felt I had a guest, and it's probably the same for Kevin at Fan Expo, that were like, okay, we got to go there. We got to get our stuff to get signed and stuff like that was when they had three manga artists, not just one, but three manga artists. Which, they had, which three? It was way in the aughts, but remember it was Chrono Crusade, uh, Trigun, and then, uh, oh, shoot. Was it Hitoshi Arigo was there too? You're referring to Naitao as well. Yeah, yeah Naitao, Naitao uh, did uh, and Trigun, Trigun and Gungrave. And then we had Crown Crusade. There was one more, and I was terrible because I should remember who it was. I think it was the Mega Man, one of the Mega Man manga creators. And that, and but we're talking like mid aughts, like I'm yeah, mid aughts. This was, mid, this was mid late. This was mid late. Uh, and during the mid aughts, they got guests and stuff like that. Then it felt like it went down as they were trying to chase the bigger guests in the sci fi realm and other realms. Well, and stuff basically, like that, you they know? cut. Uh, you can use the argument they cut it, cut off the anime side to in their pursuit. Mm-hmm. Dead weight. Who knows? I mean, that's a strong games, statement to make. And then considering. the gaming side went up too, of course, too. Yeah, so. and now there's issues. Well, okay, I, and, not to say I know what's going on, but and do they still get horror guests? Because that was a thing too. Yeah, you brought that up last week, and actually. it feels like it decreased too, along with the anime. I felt like like. They would probably get, like, a, a big horror guest, if any, but then... I feel it's kind of merged into the sci-fi part of the convention and stuff like that, and that's why they went for the Fan Expo moniker, because they want to be for all fandom, so to speak, I guess. Some like, of us they make so out. much money out of our fandom, like, our kind of people, so to this speak. Is, uh, now, this is an old argument. This is an argument that's ongoing. That and they made so much off of anime fandoms income. Oh, but finish your thought. Finish your thought. But then they don't cater to it. Cater to they us. They don't fan service it. They don't give any service to it. No Not love. anymore. Not these days. And you think that maybe this is the start because they've seen what's happened over the pandemic and stuff like that to maybe come back a bit, but not much. Because I, I, clearly. Yeah, yes, yes or no. Train left the station on train left the station. The anime train left the station on Fan Expo and will never return. 
The older fans, I'd say, yeah. No, it could. It could. I, okay. I or, or, okay, yes or no. If it does, that route is a long. That loop is a big long loop. Or do you think it? Or do you think that uh, route will be shorter? Well, it's undeniable that now anime is a mainstream interest. Now that it's on multiple streaming devices and mul- not multiple streaming devices, multiple streaming channels. And, a key, and in and the theaters a key, and, the- and also at big sporting events and like college sports in the U.S. when uh, Shonen Jump can like sponsor like one game through one piece and stuff like that. I forget which uh, U.S. college football game that was, but that was kind of nuts. And and has become a part of larger strategies for major companies, i.e. PlayStation i.e. Sony. And we hear about people talking about their fandom that are famous, especially in the NBA and the NFL and stuff like that. And that probably means something in certain uh, markets. Mm -hmm. It just requires somebody to care again. In the right spot. In the right spot. Because, I don't know, it's... That's how, that's how it always begins, right? Someone cares enough to at least try. They'll somehow create their connections slowly but surely, and then you can go grab a Japanese voice actor, or you can grab a manga creator, or you can grab a studio director or an artist. Mm-hmm. It's always... And this is, and I'm going to go to this line probably more than a few times in this episode. It's the Wu-Tang Clan line. Again. Mm-hmm. It'll all, I mean, that, that, that's always there. And I think that's, that was always part of the story as I knew it at Fan Expo over the years. And I think it will probably, that's probably still a thought as to what could as to what could uh, the hang-up be for another Japanese guest there. They'd like to focus that on something else that they know could draw more, way more. They, As I said, it, 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 it's value. It's about mm-hmm. value for the dollars they spend. And the other thing like is... It has to be undeniable. It has to be undeniable that that can be the draw. Anime North can almost guarantee that with whatever they're able to spend. Fan Expo, they have infinitely more. They probably have infinitely more to spend, but they want value out of that. If they, if they, spend, if they spend six... I'm just speaking in theoreticals here now. If they spend, blow the budget on one major Japanese guest, who might be the biggest thing in in the anime manga fandom industry. But that may still pale in comparison to what they are able to draw out in all the other realms of Fan Expo. And they probably wouldn't need to spend not spend as much, or at the very least, if they end up spending more, they know the return they get will justify it. They, they have to find the ret- a justifiable return. And maybe that's where we'll start to have that debate. What would define a justifiable return for that effort on fan, for Fan Expo? 
what would they define it as? Masashi Kishimoto. Let's do it, Fan Expo. Can't well, be that thing, hard. <laughs> the thing is, though, they may want to take that guest and put it to one of the other conventions because remember, Fan Expo many, many years ago was bought out and stuff like that. So basically, it's a group of many conventions and stuff Under like that. Under the Fan that. Expo so label. So that basically, informal. and they've kept Fan Expo there. They added it to Dallas. They have one in Vancouver and then they have the other conventions. So it's kind of like they're tr- some of these guests, as we know, are on a circuit, right? Yeah, they're no, going and to all the different conventions. Them, and then, and then with- you have those special ones. It's like, okay, we're going to spend money on these special guests. Where are we plugging them in? And, and you know ta- what I mean? Yes, and, and, then, and then talking with Amon, I always hear, see his posts as he flies out to the next one. Right. So, and he got to uh, stay on and stuff and then oh, yeah, oversee yeah. some other ones. So it's been an interesting development to yeah. see how that um, happened. Okay. I mean, how hard is it really? Like, yeah, we're further, but we have Niagara Falls down the street. It's fine. <laughs> we have heard they've taken them to Niagara Falls. Well, that's that's like the that. common trip. That's the, that's the obligatory trip for any guest that comes to any of, the, any of our loved conventions, AN, Fan Expo, um, IFF now. You can start adding that to the uh, circuit on our uh, within our fandom. So, so it is going to come back next year, huh? No, you think? The, that's, <laughs> no, that's the that's the that's the rumbling I've heard from people who are kind of involved with that. Like they do want to come back next year. It's just a matter of if they can get it to work. Yeah, and I know we'll have this These AN one versus I uh, AN versus IFF debate. We'll have it again for sure. And that's because they're all about anime and manga. So obviously both, they were going to come in guns blazing and it's been and years they, before we saw that. That's and, why and the, the fate one, we're like, oh, this is this and nice the thing is, and that, and not bad for And not a bad first impression. And the thing is, is that with this year, they wanted to make sure they were okay at their home base con in Vancouver, Vancouver. before they go back mm-hmm. here. But it's undeniable that uh, IFF is for profit, and the owner of that con, like the the owner of the company who runs the con, wants those kinds of guests to be there. And yeah, and this is where I guess those, like this could be the basis of the next rivalries. I hate <sighs> like, to use that word, but I wouldn't even say it's a. I wouldn't say it's a rivalry. It's so. What do you like? I, like there is a. I guess within fandom, there is a AN versus IFF discourse. Yes. And maybe that's just within fandom. Of course, publicly, AN and IFF are probably never going to try to feed into that. At least I'd like to think they wouldn't. I don't think they would. They just like to, like, they'll just do their own things. But... And I think I'm repeating myself on on a sentiment I've said or expressed on this show. I've certainly expressed it to you guys privately. The venom that's known to exist for Anime North and in turn look at IFF as salvation for that well, go back to go into Vancouver, and I'll tell. And it seems like, at least talking to enough people there, that that venom equally exists for IFF. 
Oh yeah, they they had uh, some issues. So this, yeah, no, yeah, they yeah, have they issues. Definitely had issues and stuff like that. I guess more people are hoping maybe it'll make an or some of the people behind it trying to get certain guests and things like that to step up their game and say, okay, what type of guests are we trying to get? Who's sponsoring them and things like that? You know what I mean? Among other things, yes. I mean, I, when I say that, there's other issues. But, you know, as I said, I want to have that conversation a little bit. But for us, likely we go to AN for different reasons and stuff like that. Well, so there's sure. definitely, that's the yeah, nice my thing re- that we my, have. My reason for going is work. So. <laughs> <laughs> Not for the cultural content um, and the learning? When we say cultural, on that note, mm-hmm. just as a follow-up to last week's Space Heater Chat, okay. I remember this title now. I said there's a, there was a series, that a very fan service series that was, you know, P, uh, at least PG, through its regular television run, but they did an OAV and it was all but a hentai. I think it was Shuffle? No, I, it was Green Green. Oh, oh yeah, Green Green did have oh, the thing. Yeah. You guys remember Media Blasters released Green Green? But then they never, but they never released the OAV because that's more Kitty. That is an 18 plus OVA, yes. Yes, that was Kitty. <laughs> and, Wait, well, did did they put out the OVA through Kitty? I don't remember. No. As far as I know, no. And if You never if that, know. It might still happen, as they said. Maybe it could happen nowadays. Who knows? Well, and yes. they And they were talking about the Kitty label and stuff like that because they were saying, yes, Kitty for physical and all that stuff. Media Blasters kept the rights, so they're still releasing Kitty uh, stuff physically, which is Blu-ray, DVD. But when they got rid of the other part of Kitty to Faku, it was mm-hmm. actually just the streaming. It's just they haven't done much with that in the last few years and stuff like that. And they said, we hope they do something with that so that it's like rising tide uh, raises all ships sort of thing. Okay. Uh, yeah, not feasible knowing how the, the internet Japanese, works. How the Japanese don't want any way for their fans to see the stuff uncensored when they can't get it in their homeland. And they already had that problem that's what, with the physical well, media. That's why, remember, bi- so, hence, yeah. hence why Bible Black did better than expected, right? Well, that's, that's why, why Bible Black in- is the Naruto of hentai, according to John Cerebella. He's not wrong. I, at this point, I generally agree. I mean, there's been historical titles over Fiend, La Blue Girl, back mm-hmm. then. It's sort of like saying Fist of the North Star and Berserk, too. So, okay. But that's why it's interesting that we do have okay. all these Sentai coming out on Blu-ray, as they said, and they can actually sell, as he said. <laughs> all right. How, how much do you want to go on to Overwatch League? Because I was there. I did see the first day of the Summer Showdown. As we're taping this, the finals of the Summer Showdown at uh, Madame Athletic Center, a.k.a. Maple Leaf Gardens, is going on right now. I have it here on a television to the side, do we want to, do I want to at least acknowledge that? Or do you, what do you want me to say about that? Or do you want to at least get to the other stuff we really want to talk about? Because we're 26 minutes in now. So I'm guessing based on what we've watched and how they had a figure saying San Francisco basically owned Toronto like 9-0 in their last few meetings and including this meeting, that basically it's almost like the old Raptors when they were facing the Cleveland Cavaliers <laughs> in the playoffs, well, and we were Lebronto. So I'm not sure what we would call Toronto now in the Overwatch speak. <laughs> wow, that's a good way to put it. That's a good way to put it. Um, 
I know we've gone too much and I know we don't, I know we don't want to go too long today. Can do, do you want to save that for another conversation? Yeah, if you want to do it. I'm I'd not like much to. on the esports, but I uh, know you well, enjoy I mean, watching. But, but the thing is, you're a sports guy, and I'm a, a Kevin isn't. I, I get it. So he's uh, back to reading. Oh, he's reading the the news, so he so he can. I, I heard Kevin sometimes reads sports manga. Yes, sometimes, sometimes, okay. <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> but I, I know we're both sports fans, and I know that, and maybe I think it's by um, design they have to downplay what Madame Athletic Center was because they never meant because they can't mention it. I think legally under its old other under its old name. Yeah. Because MLSC will probably you, go after them after at that point. And when you did, um, went to see the curling there and stuff like that, or when they do things for, uh, well, not Ryerson university, Toronto metropolitan university. Um, when they do things there and stuff like that, because they share the facility, they always have to go obviously by the new name and stuff like that. They do have the commemorations there, but I think that's as far as they can go. Because yeah. and, and they can do little like documentary and features about the former history of the building, mm-hmm. the history, like the former life of the building, but they can't directly in promotion refer to it as MLG. So funny enough, Mike, so when was the last time you, other than the curling one, uh, were there? Because it's kind of interesting, as you said. Uh, I said it was interesting going in there and remembering what it was like going for other things when it was actually a sports arena, as it was. And it's kind of like, it feels definitely more smaller and intimate, doesn't it? And they added other facilities within it, like the the Loblaws and the... um, the Physical gym, gym, yeah. The gym and the actual basketball court where the varsity team plays for uh, Toronto Metro U. Because they have a 500-seat uh, arena. It definitely makes you think, oh, this is team. a lot bigger, this building, than I thought it was. It's it, it, like uh, The way they redid it uh, was actually quite impressive. And for reference, that was my third visit inside, or fourth visit inside the arena, because I was there for two rounds of curling uh, back in 2019. And then I went there for Ryerson's very first hockey game in that arena. So I got to see, I was one of the first to first in the public to see a real game at, at inside the revamped, uh, revamped hockey arena. And then I was there on, on Thursday to see the first, most of the first day of the uh, summer showdown for Overwatch League. And, we actually got a good, uh, you didn't see it there, but it, across the screen, it kind of was showing how they set it up, how they're in the actual where, I guess, the rink would be and stuff like that. And as you said, the player, using the, the premium, actual yeah. seats that attends, attendees would usually use kind well, of they showed the, they showed the hockey. Oh, yeah. yeah. They showed the hockey uh, the hockey arena seats. The, that, that was the cheaper seats. So. Yeah, and they had some, but some, as you said, were corned off because they uh, used at least it for quor- advertising. Yeah, at least a core, uh, at least... I'd say almost half of the seats had to be cord- were cordoned off for the uh, for advertising, just for the uh, for the cameras. Because um, and then all of the it looks like the best view amongst the uh, amongst the hockey seats. I call them they're called the bowl seats, but I'll call them the hockey seats for this conversation. The ones that had the best view, I think, were so- were said to be sold out for today for the finals, and it looks like they're packed. Mm-hmm. It looked like there were still a good uh, number, a handful of seats within the main, within the floor, because floor seats were available right up until the end today. They they remade they made them available, but that was like seventy dollars a pop 
Wow. I would have gone. I, I, I admit I would have gone, but uh, also I, I do want to meet Quota. <laughs> well, given given our uh, as they said our region, the Toronto region, the Greater Toronto region, it's like I'm sure you can find enough people that might be interested to and there go was. in through transit or the people, drive in the to people try who, and go and, and see. And, and to be fair, to be fair to the people and good on them, the people who are there today are the ones who really, really wanted to be there and were looking forward to this. Mm-hmm. And I was there just as a casual fan on Thursday. And I enjoyed it. Good atmosphere, even though we, it wasn't quite as full as it could be. So I, I, I would have loved to soak in what, what today would have been like. Mm-hmm. But here, here we are. And for reference, uh, just uh, for reference, Toronto Defiant finished third in the tournament, or they have finished third in this tournament. They're down to the final two. And they basically... Basically, the two who are left are the two teams everyone thought would be there. So the Defiant, at worst, met expectations. They probably probably exceeded them slightly. But uh, it was a, their best showing in, in a stage tournament yet. And hopefully that sets them up to at least guarantee them a playoff spot, like a guaranteed playoff spot at the end of the, uh, at the, end of the next, next stage to come. So they don't have to play the uh, play-ins into the playoffs itself because there'll be a play-in tournament for the final playoff spots later on. That's another story. Let's get to the let's get to the news, or at least the stuff that caught our attention, anime, manga-wise, over the last week. Or is there something else you want to say about uh, the space heater chat, James? Or even uh, I, I guess I didn't hear anything. I told you guys you'd have to give me a summary since I wasn't able to actually listen yeah. to. I was doing well, other things kind of uh, this up. weekend. In many respects, we followed up to a lot of the stuff we talked about last week. And I was on a different uh, Japanese cultural excursion uh, this weekend anyway, uh, playing through uh, Splatoon 3. I still got a lot oh, of yeah. things to do That's out on that. And that game, it's interesting when you see the idols and how they've portrayed them and stuff like that. They're definitely going for the home market. There's a lot of Japanese culture and inspiration and in what they created with this version of Splatoon 3. It's like something else. But I've been going through that, doing Turf Wars, doing Ranked, doing Salmon Run with people. Got through a bit of Solo, uh, which is the single-player mode, and still more to go through that. But it's been interesting playing that. I was surprised they put out another Splatoon in this generation actually i'm not too surprised because remember that first year kevin it was packed they wanted to sell that machine so it's like okay splatoon was the hot thing on wii u it got our japanese uh, fan base invigorated so let's just get something out there you could kind of tell that's why a lot of people are like splatoon 1.5 but it still uh, got the ball rolling and then of course they had the zelda for launch they had the mario Mm -hmm. game for christmas and stuff like that so they were all guns blazing and away they go and they keep talking right about how this year five they're at the midpoint when a lot of people would be talking about the next system, quote unquote. So obviously, I think if it was five years, they figured, okay, we can have another five years by doing Splatoon 3. And there were some good quality of life things in there. No more news. Thank God I can skip that. I don't have to waste my bloody time on it. Hmm. And because every time the maps rotate, you had to listen and actually sit down and look at the news. You couldn't skip it. So you can finally skip that. And then it's interesting while you're waiting for matches, 
you can actually practice or do whatever in this little training ground. And that's for both um, Salmon Run and for the ranked and the turf war matches. It feels more modernized for their lobby, but it takes some getting used to and stuff like that because I'm going through and I'm like, I can either practice or I can press a button and go through things like what were my last matches like, um, like who's in our lobby right now and coming in and stuff like that. Like it feels like Nintendo looked at what the other people were doing and trying to kind of meet what most modern gamers would expect to a degree. They're probably not still going to say there's still some more quality of life things they could do, but they've kind of, I think, stepped up their game to make it more relevant to what, those type of games, the online shooters, the online type games are doing in the modern setting and stuff like that. That's interesting considering how much we've talked about Nintendo's quirks over the years. They still have some problems. And 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 how they kind of go against the grain in many respects too. But that's Nintendo. Yeah, and they'll still be Nintendo and stuff like that. But I think it was like, it's mid-life cycle and they said okay we'll get another five years out of this and then maybe whatever the next platoon game is they're gonna probably do it for the next system obviously but i think mario kart's another interesting one because, because remember the, they the, did the deluxe tra- in the first year and stuff i knew you yeah, bring up mario kart yeah so they had that they're on year one so that was another big one is uh, kevin and uh, mm-hmm. instead of doing the new mario kart you saw what they did uh, starting uh Last year at the end there, they've started doing packs of some of their older tracks and of uh, the mobile title and putting it out and adding it to uh, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. So instead of doing a full new game, it's like, here's some DLC. Hope you enjoy it. So we and might, I won't and see might that till next system. Well, no, yeah, how much but, are they charging for those DLC? Uh, it's for a full pack. And so I think it's like... I know I it's a fair 30, I want to say 30 bucks uh, Canadian. I How many say tracks, 30. though? Uh, it's a number of... It's a lot of tracks, like but they don't come out all at once. It's like yeah, they, they come out a few at packs. a time. So we had 16 have come out so far. I think there's another... Tw- uh, sorry, 16 and then another 8 there. So another 24 to come. Yeah. Wait, so so they, you buy it? Let me... I'm trying to understand this. So... You, you buy commit, a pack. You commit to it. And then, and then they, don't you give get, you, they don't give you all of it at once. They, you just get more over time. Correct. So it's a scheduled drip feed and stuff like yeah. that. And the other but thing. You pay that, up front for it all at once. Well, it depends, Kevin. So if you have Nintendo Online, the subscription service, you just get it with the subscription oh. service. If you have the expansion pack, the Nintendo Online expansion pack. So if you have expansion mm. pack for that, you get certain DLCs free of cost. So Mario Kart 8 Deluxe is one of them. Animal Crossing is another. And Splatoon uh-huh. 2 DLC, you just get it and you don't have to pay to own it. Okay. Long story. And like, you know, me as the casual PlayStation, I'll take the cover off tonight. Uh, <laughs> PlayStation player. Yeah. A- anyway. Um, okay. 35, 38 minutes in. There's been some interesting discussion over the last week, and that's probably putting it lightly. I know Kevin uh, alerted us to it this week. I, I got the overview. The, I read the overview this morning, but I know there's a lot more detail to it. It's It's been bubbling over the past 
two, three weeks, I would say, give or take. But this would be surrounding uh, Shoujo Beat reprints. So, every so often, people will ask Shoujo Beat, which is uh, Viz Media's Shoujo manga label, Every so often, people ask, hey, is this going to be reprinted, or or will you ever bring this title back, blah, blah, blah. So, a lot of people will ask about more recent titles, like Kami-sama Kiss, or Nana, or which is a little older, or Yona of the Dawn, or Maid-sama. These are shoujo beat titles in the last maybe i don't know two three years now that manga has gone a lot bigger in our culture in our little fan culture people have now started to ask for titles from the old shoujo label so for those who aren't aware uh Shoujo Beat, the label, was created in the mid-2000s, and this was because uh, Viz wanted to create a magazine publication that's similar to Shonen Jump. Before this, Viz did have a Shoujo line, and it had older titles such as Hot Gimmick, Fushigi Yuki, Seres, Here is Greenwood... Basara, Red River, Please Save My Earth, and other various shoujo titles. Now, now that uh, a lot of those older shoujo titles are out of print, fans have been asking, hey, will you be bringing these back? Because you're now starting to see people uh, talk about collecting rare shoujo or rare manga in general so that's how these discussions come up because uh youtubers who create manga content will sometimes post their haul saying hey i got this series and and whatever basically what we should be doing whenever we go into our vaults james i was gonna say though uh kevin does any of the pulp line that me and mike have have any value or is it dead in the water as they say Depends on what you have. <laughs> oh, I sold I sold Dance Till Tomorrow at the Nomi back in 2017. And, and I, I still have was, that. <laughs> I thought it was an okay price, but I know it's probably worth more now. That goes for maybe like 120 to 150 bucks now for a set. Okay, I think I sold it for about a hundred. So in some ways maybe I shorted myself, but I think it was as good as it was at the time. I think it was not worth that much at the time. So yeah. I think I did okay with it. Yeah. I, uh, for it for what it was. But I, but I just couldn't keep it anymore. Uh, yeah, the pulp line became what is now the signature line. Like it went pulp, editor's, editor's choice, choice, then the, the signature. signature yeah. Yeah, yes. so I remember that, S-I-G. Okay, sorry, continue your story. So uh, the person who manages the Shoujo Beat uh, Twitter account and Tumblr account is uh, Nancy Thistlewaite. She is a longtime editor at Viz. And, well, she does work on... Well, it's, if if memory serves me correctly, 
she doesn't just work on shoujo titles, but that is where she does the bulk of her editing work. Now, I think what happened was that people would keep on asking about the super rare old shoujo titles, which would be, in this case, titles like Basara, Please Save My Earth, Red River, uh, and From Far Away. Those are the ones that command the most money in the secondary market nowadays from the old line. And people will keep on asking, and Nancy had created a post saying, these are the we we have no plans on bringing these back at this time. And back in 2018, uh, Nancy created an overall post addressing the print issues with it and saying how, look, we don't we really don't want to bring these back, or we can't bring these back, which was the overall message, but. Depending on how sensitive the person reading that message is, it can come off as a little aggressive. So I'm going to go quickly find this. And while you're doing that, I guess the real thing as well is we're talking about print manga and a lot of these older series, even if they have the rights to it, they haven't decided to uh, take them and make them into an ebook format or anything like that, because I think that would be a compromise in some minds, not in all minds. Well, yes. it's keyword being some. And keep in mind when we talk about going into the ebook side, remember the ebook side in terms of manga has not hit that Netflix point that I constantly refer, I've referred to over the couple years of the pandemic series and then of course and then you can add to that that sometimes is it's also a specific request of the creator now to not go that route now i will say in, in regards to those titles most of those older most of if not all of those older shoujo titles you can buy digitally now i think they charge seven bucks u.s which is not too bad. Which is not too bad, but mm-hmm. you know, but my th- feelings on yeah. ebook pricing. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. you know, people, you have a vocal minority that wants it in physical format, and, so, and that's okay to express as much. But mm-hmm. so I found, I found the 2018 response to the general question. So Nancy wrote. I got an Anon ask in my inbox about our discontinued series being picked up again. This is presumably on Tumblr. The simple answer is no. The year we discontinued a few series was when Borders went out of business and the manga market crashed. This was back in 2008, 2009. And in in the case of uh, Shoujo Beat specifically, it was Body that got cancelled and... Kaze Hikaru, because it was a Shogakukan title and not a Shueisha title, it became a yearly release because historical series usually don't do very well. When series don't sell, we take the financial hit. Several publishers did not make it through the crash. When people don't buy manga, the publisher takes the financial hit, so it's always really important to purchase manga in a timely fashion. And this is something that fans don't 
realize. Return on investment. And that's the phrase I've been looking for for the last couple weeks. I just made a reference to it in terms of fan expo. But, and I think that's what she's referring to here. And this is fine. And some of them, they also have those out to certain retailers well in advance and stuff like that. So probably to get some of their numbers, right? How much we want to print. And this is fine because that's, you know, that's a very stately matter of fact response. And this is, and this part is where some people got upset. So Nancy continues to write. Now I'm going to sound like a meanie because sometimes I am. Did you not buy a series that we published over 13 years ago, 10 years ago, eight, seven, six, five? Now, maybe you were out of the few, or maybe you were one of the few that did. That's amazing. You didn't have, you have great taste in manga in brackets. I'm not talking to you though. But for all the other people who didn't buy it back then and think they should have another chance at it now, no way. I don't feel sorry for you. You had your chance. We absorbed the losses because you didn't collect it when we were publishing it. What it also did is make publishing something new in that particular genre or by that mangaka more difficult because the booksellers know that you didn't buy those series. I'm also looking at all the holdouts for when a series ends or those surreptitiously waiting for a box set. And again, only four out of 100 plus shoujo beat series have ever had box sets. You can do that, but those series not being available when you finally get around to collecting them is the risk you take. No one knows you want a particular series until you purchase it. And when series are gone, they're usually gone for good. End of post? End of yeah. post. Yeah. That is like I think we understand it but as you said to some I know how it can come off and I think some posts you had uh, looked at on Twitter Kevin you had shown things where like one was a librarian and stuff like that and it was younger teens and kids and stuff like that that weren't alive at that time and so you can kind of understand how that probably would rub a lot of people the wrong way in that uh, idea and I understand that and then the other thing is I'm always intrigued by box sets who's waiting for box sets for a manga um, for anime and that I understand well, that's but a re- because but that's- there's only so many box sets in my mind I can think of between the publishers for, for- and usually it's the popular series. Yeah, that's the I, thing. It's a gr- a growing number of people now will hold out for box set releases and I don't think a lot of fans realize that publishers will only do these box set releases for already established, very popular titles that they've already made that, their money on. Or it's a prestige not just release. A tri- it's not a yes. triple A, it's just a triple A title, it's an S. Yes. Like, I mean, here I have, and I'm sure you saw it in the corner there a few minutes ago, Kevin. Mm-hmm. I have two boxes of the Demon Slayer oh, series there, sitting there. Uh, the other might be for sale soon. Uh, at, at message me at anime roundtable. Okay, because okay, when it comes to shoujo beat box sets, you say, she said Oron that the is the only thing I can think of on my head. Oron, Blackbird, because that did very well for them back in the day, and I actually don't remember the other two at the moment. At anime roundtable, message us. <laughs> <laughs> anime roundtable at gmail And even and so that librarian response was 
this was so this is on August 24th where the person responded um shoujo beat my students weren't alive when some of the series they wanted to read were released also some of us put our manga collectors collections into our classroom collections and they were read to death this response is elitist and concerning yeah okay um, now finish the res- now Nancy did respond saying in 2000 because this was she they pulled that from 2018 right so and this person responded now because i think it was in response to an earlier tweet that nancy made and that's the problem right? and now because we're talking over about time things change right? and, and i believe too. that tweet had since been deleted but but the shoujo beat twitter account responded that in 2018 this was intended to drive home the consequences of expecting series in perpetuity that only a handful of people had been supporting before discontinuation it was not meant in today's context, but I understand your criticism and I will take it to heart. That's a fair statement too. Yeah, no, I'd say that. I, I think and if it did if it have certain sales, right, for certain lines, and we've seen it again and again, right, Kevin, where it'll just get that one run. And sometimes you don't even get to finish the series looking at Dark Horse as well. I'm looking at a, a bunch of CMX titles in that context as well, yep. uh, too. Because I stopped, like, once I had one, I remember, I think it was called I Hate You So Much. That was the English title. That got discontinued one volume short. Oh, was it I Hate You More Than Anything? That I think? was it, yeah. yeah. And it, it got discontinued, I think, one volume short and of the And that end. one with DC, we had talked about CMX and like DC in, Comics. In, and it was it was a weird, just to put it in summary, it was a weird line. It was just a weird effing line for a major comic uh, producer in the states and stuff like that because they just took some wild titles and some older titles and some show titles me- and, and stuff often like messed that. it up. And it, it's, it's, it's just interesting how that came out. Now, you can go and find uh, the story on them. But it, the interesting thing is Emma. I got Emma and Shirley from them, but somehow because of luck or whatever or the quality that people saw in Maury and her artwork and that. It came back for Yen Press, and that doesn't always happen. Yes. Uh, I will say with CMX, it was only the earlier titles and, and the more mature ones that got the, the sensor stick, like Tenjo Tenge, and I know there were a couple more that I don't recall off the top of my head. But manga, manga Up would be proud, by the way. But <laughs> Rajin Comics would be proud, too, and they had the actual creator to help with City Hunter being censored. But after that, uh, they eventually be better at picking titles that they didn't felt the need to censor and the Tenjo Tengen censoring did get a lot lighter but it was still there and uh that's why towards the end of their run the titles were definitely a lot more shoujo centric and it was basically a lot of the leftover like Hakusensha and like Shueisha titles that like Viz wouldn't pick up to be honest but there were still some good gems in there, like Emma, like Apothecaris Argentum, among mm-hmm. others. Yeah. Uh, but uh, so let, let's fast forward. But back going to back to Shoujo this. Beat, yes. Uh, despite that response, you know, you, you still had people that were not happy because. They're not going to get there because it's not a yes. Yeah. Because it's not a yes. Because, I, I, yeah, I, I, I want to follow that up with an insult, and, and that's more at fandom, and it's at times, what is it? Um, 
and we, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like plastic ex- expectations. But you know what? I'll say this. Could Nancy have worded it a little better? Yes. yes. And, and I'm about to defend her overall. But I I can feel, you know, in that 2018 response, I can feel the, I don't want to say pain, but like I can feel some of the frustration on her part because... It's been a decade building of those questions and the thing of, they had hoped Shoujo Beat would be more than what it was because they had the magazine, That's, they had the new line that was launching for Shoujo, and obviously they still have the Twitter in that, but it's a shell of what it was. And they had the anime, remember? They released Shoujo Beat anime too. Yep. Nana was a part of that. And, I, and here's the thing that a lot of people don't really see. Now, I will say, like, Shoujo manga in... North America, I do definitely feel doesn't sell as well anymore. I think the demographics have changed in terms of taste because nowadays you see different kinds of shows that have cross interest between both genders or all genders, I should say. And so, for example, even a series like Haikyuu, which is in a Shonen magazine, it's in Shonen Jump, but it has a big female fan base because there's a lot of attractive boys in it. And there are similar series that cater to female audiences like Free, like Yuri on Ice, like Pretty Boy Detective Club. A lot of these, like, EK Men, like, Bishonen kind of series where, like, you often know who the target audience is. Now, think about this. When is the last time we've had a really big shoujo anime come out from Japan? I'm thinking Real Girl. That's what I'm thinking. I mean, you know, you'd, you'd be that, able to answer that's that the last better one than in I my could. Mind, but they, they do have a few here and there, but it's not like it used to be, definitely. Because, like, I can only think of. If I had to pick like a few, it's like Anonymous Noise, Yona the Dawn. Even my love story is kind of not that new at this point. And that was and a Banana show Fish. Fish and Banana Fish. And we all know, well, we, us three know, the only reason why Viz even reprinted that, of all things, was because of the anime. Because that was also another one that fans had been clamoring for for a long time. but The media mix in action. But when, when Noi Tamana actually created the Banana Fish anime, Viz actually decided to, to take the risk and reprint it. And, and I, that has done well since. And it's still like... It's it, still it, it's, pretty it's, hard to find because it's out of stock. As I said, it's the, it's the various branches of the media mix propping each other up. Or a creator like... Takahashi, all her mangas being started to come back on stuff like that. And even Yurtse Yatsura, which they dumped like a hot potato. Now it's back, but it probably came back because they had the knowledge that probably they were going to do the new anime series, which is coming in the fall. Mm-hmm. So 
you have so many shonen like series targeted to younger boys getting these anime series and it's undeniable that having a good anime series will boost manga sales in north america exponentially we don't have like that almost never happens for shoujo anime anymore because back in the mid early mid late 2000s or even early 2010s you had nana had an anime lovely complex had an anime or in high school host club had an anime vampire night had an anime and even before that they had anime. we had karikano and stuff like that and things like that that became Utena. a part of the well, thing we Utena. kept on talking about in utena that we still talked about and as we said remember we said like it's kind of one and done with the streaming and stuff like that i wonder if that plays into it too because well, nowadays in japan most shoujo or Jose titles are now being turned to live action TV series or movies rather than an anime as opposed to anime. Yes. That is another thing that doesn't really get talked about because it's easier because, as we said to make that live. Well, action yeah, because there's no, because there's no sound, there's no special effects. It's really just slice of life. A lot of the time. Is it not like depend uh, like, okay. A lot of the popular there, like you can say, you can put up an argument that, a larger percentage of that. And you, you don't have to be too fancy with it. And not to mention, you will often have both males and females or boys and girls watching shonen anime, but that's not necessarily the case for titles targeted to females. You you don't have nearly as many boys going to watch a shoujo anime because, oh, it's, it's for girls. Or whatever the sentiment may be. But it's undeniable that you won't have as many well, boys watching titles targeted to girls than then, girls watching but, things targeted to boys. And further to your point about going live action, and this just came into my mind. You cast it properly. You cast it popular. Uh, you, ca you find the right people. And what I mean by right is find the right popular people to be in that cast. Idols or actresses. Well, or not idols, hosts, actresses. You never know. Um, people from boy bands. Yep, music. Yep. You, like boy band, artist, or boy band artists. You can, you can generate that type of buzz. A different type of buzz that's just even larger than it would have been if it was an anime. That route. So further to Kevin's point, that route is a very keen route to take in the media mix. So that's a fair point to put it all in this context. Can I say I'm going to defend Nancy to some degree, but also, but like that response in 2018 sort of reminded me of, remember the, the Mako incident in, in, in the first era when I had that, when I, when, when, when one of my, um, when one of the, uh, I think I called them from the galleries at the time. My solo shots. I spent a 15 minutes going after somebody who claimed to be a translator. Mm -hmm. And I remember one word. If you want to, if you're going to try and talk down to your audience the way she might have, she did in that 2018 post, the way I look at it, you're not going to have much of an audience left. But to be fair, she's right. Times change. And once again, as Wu-Tang Clan taught me, <laughs> cash rules everything around me. Get the money, dollar, dollar bill, y'all.
And, and as I said, this is to be fair. She's coming out from the angle of somebody whose livelihood depended on this. Lashing out at fans who ultimately could care less. I mean, they have their other, other means. They have their other outlets uh, for entertainment. And, we're lo- and me, yeah, she, maybe she's lucky that it's them. But to say, where were you 13 years ago? Is fair in some ways and unfair in others. I mean, I, 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 can, I actually respected the lash out to some degree. Because, as I said, this, at the time, was her livelihood. And maybe at a point, it was hanging by a thread because of the downturns that existed at the time. Yeah, the downs and And, the And the fact that she's still there today may say something. Because she said she's, she's, you said she's long time. How many can really say that? They've had a lot of long-time people, though, at Viz and stuff like that, and some and, have went to other publishers and that. But mm-hmm. they've kept a lot of people there in San Francisco, and they're based there. It's actually quite an impressive office, supposedly. But a lot of that was propped up by Shonen Jump, I'm guessing. Well, and once again, the whole... since Yeah, since 2002 or once, three, yeah, yeah, for sure. And since the whole... Once again, cash rules everything around me. Shonen Jump is the big thing, right? I, we've just made the joke about Demon Slayer. That's an... Ex- uh, like, I mean, that's one of those exceptions to the whole box concept. Naruto to, as I, I get, Naruto, Jujutsu, Jujutsu Kaisen, One Piece. Like, those are all series, like, these are all series that have, like, at least mini boxes, too. Well, Jujutsu Kaisen, no. Okay. Um, well, Dragon maybe, Ball, I've seen. Well, maybe it got a, there may, there may have been a Barnes & Noble exclusive box, because sometimes they do that. But, yeah, I but, mean, I, 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 I I but know as I, a, like an overall encompassing general release box set for Jujutsu Kaisen, not yet. I imagine boxes, there will be. Yeah, though. there's there's like I mean other a uh, other a list titles, and there's a lot more a list titles on, in the Shonen Jump line. Mm-hmm. They can afford the box. People can afford to wait because they know that because yeah, the numbers can justify that. They can afford the reprints and stuff like that, even for those longer series. When we've heard before, the longer se- the series is, the more likely you want to stay away from it and stuff like that. It's interesting because I look at Nana specifically, and that was probably not going to come back if it wasn't for the whole TikTok popularity that it got during the pandemic. If you want to see, and, and that got a live action treatment, just as a quick aside. And they released that under yeah. Shoujo B2. That but the thing that. was, is that not as time had passed, because as much as I would love for Ayazawa to continue Nana, I really doubt that that will happen at this point. Even though she is now since, uh, she is no longer in the hospital. But when you're gone from a series for that long, it's it really is debatable. Because some people just, like, not speaking for every creator, but sometimes you're away from a series for so long and you don't know, like, it's kind of you hard to... You have to get back well, in that Hunter, I, like, like, I mean, once again, Hunter, it, it, Hunter, Hunter, is Hunter, Hunter is, one, is probably the... Or, 
or and, or even beat the Vandal Buster. They fu- that finally resumed, I think, a year or two ago after being on hiatus for like ten to twelve years. And Hunter Hunter was interesting because he's now on Twitter, obviously, and stuff. But he's been actually very forthcoming about, hey, this is what I actually had to deal with. I couldn't get up or sit up or do yeah, normal things to he, actually create like, this manga. And the and then people the are com- like, the how are de- you going to now come back and do the this? The common he's denominator like, and all this. I'm going to get more assistance. And, and he's finally caving and apparently he's yeah. looking for assistance now. Yeah, too. no, he's getting more assistance and he's realizing Not he more help. assistance. He's finally getting assistance because in the past he didn't want to have assistance anymore because of... Like his I creative he had maybe one or two, but I guess he. You mean, did, he you, mean you mean other than his super rich wife, <laughs> his equally super rich wife, I should say. Mm. But uh, no, because I never okay. Because if I'm not mistaken, he did have assistance during Yu Yu Hakusho, mm-hmm. and maybe level E as well. But then I remember there was a specific interview I read where he decided that he just wanted to do it all himself, and then. That's why you have hiatuses that happen because if you're doing all the work, yes, of course that's going to wear you down. Mm-hmm. And plus, if you, you get other health conditions like he has with his back, and here we are. Or, but with so, but going back to Nana, I feel like if it wasn't for it getting popular on TikTok, then. I don't think we would have ever seen it being reprinted. You know, how about the Blu-ray? Do you think it would have come out regardless? Could could have been possible. Well, that's that's a little easier to justify in theory, but that's because it's like a different company picking it up. But I don't think it would have got the sales. It probably is now, as you said. Yeah. Uh, and... You know, it's it's frustrating because, you know, I I'm fortunate in that I have most of these out of print shoujo manga that people are clamoring for because I, you know, I was around back in the day and I wanted them back in the day. Uh, for me, it's from far away that I probably won't ever get at this point because <laughs> uh, that sets like six hundred bucks right now on eBay. I think the question is. Is there someone willing to actually pay those numbers? I think, was it Red River you showed us, uh, Kevin? That was a crazy number for the complete series. And I'm thinking, okay, you have that number somehow from the sky. Are you actually going to get a person to buy that? That's my question all the time. Are you going to actually find something willing to put down the cash? Because you might not find that person. One, willing, and two, with the means. Yes. uh, I think that's the key part of it. From my observations, it normally sells at around the 800 to 1,000 mark for a complete set. Which is below what we were seeing on that one. That was like 1,200 or something. Like, and even when you... How many volumes are we talking? 28. Okay. 28 is for Red River, 27 for Basara, uh, 19 for Please Save My Earth, or is it 21? I kind of forgot. Uh, but this is actually even happening for like the older Shoujo Beat titles. So, so I'm wondering, like, so I have like, a few, like, Astro Baby is seven volumes, so I'm guessing that would, I'm not sure if that's when someone would look at, I know Honey and Clover probably would be in demand, wouldn't it? Because it is I've now. Had, it is now. Uh, we at least have the anime back in print, I can tell um, you that. Adam's 
favorite, we were there. Commands good money nowadays, too. Mm. See, that had an anime, but then that one never really took off here because I do feel like more often than not, the more dramatic shoujo titles are not as popular as the more like high school, like the more like happy-go-lucky ones or the ones that just have a general like that are generally more upbeat like a Kamisama Kiss or a Fruits Basket. Whereas things like like not I guess is the one exception to that but uh, but stuff like Sand Chronicles or We Were There that are definitely more dramatic in tone don't tend to do as well usually. Uh, speaking of Red River uh, there was also um it's always Red River. Uh, I guess that proves how good that series is. I think is, you but... were showing us some videos from uh, YouTube, I guess. They're uh, manga collectors and stuff like that. I guess that is uh, added more spice to the discussion, as they say. Yes. So there was a there was a manga YouTuber who posted a haul. Like this is like this is honestly manga haul videos are what get views as well as here is my collection views or videos. So this creator posted his haul for the month of August, I believe, or July. And he found a complete set of Red River at whatever secondhand retailer. Like it was either like Second in Charles or maybe it was uh the other one that I can't think of right now that's based in the States. Mm-hmm. Or Book Off. Maybe it was Book Off. I don't remember. It's one of those, right? Like, uh, he found a complete set for basically retail or like maybe a little below retail. Wow. Which can happen. You know, you get lucky, right? Sure. And what do the, what do the sellers know at the time, right? Yeah. So, no, of course. Because it's been sitting there on the shelf collecting dust for how long, right? Or some so- of them may try to get that larger amount of money, but other ones, it's like, whatever, just take it. You know what I mean? No, or also what happens is people just trade stuff in and it just right place, right time. Mm. Now, and apparently, I don't know if it was in this video or in a different video, he also commented on how. The shoujo community is now having trouble finding these like older titles that are well regarded but massively out of print. Shortly afterwards, he puts his setup for sale on eBay. How much did he sell it for? I think he's trying to sell it for I think a thousand two hundred and fifty dollars US. That's what's the, the one over- we looked at. What's the over under? What's the po- what's the possibility he might get away with that? I don't think he gets that? it. I don't think he gets it. I four figures, yes or no. Uh, possible mm. no possible it it has sold for four figures before it's just that i want to say close but depends because given the blowback he might have received maybe less likely 999 let's talk so <laughs> so some so people find out people put them on blast and go hey what the fuck that sounds like a dickish move and that does sound like a dickish move because i think about it like this and i I say this as someone who does flip manga. I don't make a secret of this. It's been brought up in this oh, podcast before. I sort of downplay it, but okay. <laughs> I've I have I mean, sold I have sold manga in the past for profit. And I'm saying this now. 
if you're going to do this as a public figure of well not a public figure in like that everyone knows you but like if you have an online presence public you're figure do sure. this, public figure <laughs> be smart about this and don't be don't 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 unless you really don't give a fuck that people know about this and you know and, and that's entirely possible and that's entirely possible he did post a response video to this and i haven't watched it yet so we'll talk about that next week but <laughs> but to those who would care if people are mad at you don't make your ebay account name the same as your public handle on youtube or instagram if you don't want that attention drawn to yourself that's a fair statement too <laughs> otherwise you'll end up looking like a dick a five and a half foot chef with two balls for feet right so <laughs> i'm sorry it's like i had to say that it's like come on now i will say uh there was another someone there was another person pointing out because because uh, people other manga youtubers and like people on twitter that are known in the community you know pointed out and they complained and they roasted this guy and then people also found out that uh, who is it? Uh, there's a there's a manga pub, there's a manga shop that's starting to uh, build themselves up called Takara Cafe, and the owner put up his Red River setup. And people were someone was going, well, hey, to like the people who first uh, brought up the whole like selling thing like they're like hey you roasted this guy why aren't you roasting this guy are you not roasting him because like you're an affiliate of him uh some people did respond and you know and the responses made sense blah 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 i'm not going to go through all that basically it was like well i didn't know but now i've since like you know mentioned it and I, I did express my disappointment that was what some of those people said but then uh the owner the owner responded back by saying you know what like I really love this set. Like, I love this series. So I'm only going to sell it for the price I'm willing to let it go for. So if someone really wants to pay for that, then so be it. Which makes sense. At least he's... It sounds less dickish. I'll say that yeah. much. Well, let me find the exact tweet. Okay. Actually, wait. It just depends if you actually find the actual person that's actually going to read it because as Kevin said, he's sold it to some people and they expressed their gratitude about being able to finally read something and so on and so forth. But how often does that actually happen, right? It might I, just yeah, be someone I mean, that, said that looks a few years later and says, I'm just going to put it up. Yeah, I mean, I said that about, remember, I had that conversation with myself at the Noma Noichi this year. So, Okay, I found the response. I lied. I didn't find the response yet. <laughs> okay. Well, I thought I did. It's... How do you put this? Actually, I, I wish I could I was, say... I, 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 I mean, I'm, try, I'm, say I'm, that I'm, I'm trying to... I'm trying to digest it, to be honest. I think what you were trying to say, Mike, in a way, is we've talked about the pandemic series and people being at home and that they've started new interests and things like that and that some of that is they got a second wind in the manga sphere for actual print manga and stuff like that 
that they weren't expecting, but then they had uh, the delays on the supply side and they have to fight with everyone else to get what they need to actually create the print editions and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. And so it's kind of like, okay, we've made these agreements to license these series and move things forward, but then somehow we have to keep a back catalog and they've been at it for over 20 years, right? So that's kind of a tough thing to do. It um, wasn't what I was about to say, but it's still a good thing that you said. That you said. Okay, now I actually found it. Oh, go ahead. So Corey from Takara Cafe said... If anybody wants to drag me, that's fine. I think this whole mess is childish, like the whole like Red River scalping stuff, which I agree with. Them. If I want to sell my set, I would list it at auction and be done with it. I have the set listed incredibly high because I love the series, and if somebody really wanted it that badly, then that's my price. That's sort of what I said. Like, I mean, that's a that, that's the end of the tweet, and. He, that's the end of the basic tweet. And then he did continue by saying, I also agree that the publishers are creating a problem by not reprinting these out-of-print series. Yeah, a couple thousand people may want a series reprinted, but you got to know that publishers have minimum printing requirements amongst other things. So it's not just some easy thing. Which, once again, is a thousand mm-hmm. returns. And they have said that. It's like we hear all these voices but are they even going to get to that minimum requirement? Le- are they going to be left holding this the is, bag yeah, again? This is and then like, that's going to cause self-fulfilling problems. continuing, same with my car hobby and anything else I love. Everything has its price. And if somebody wants to pay a stupid high price, then I'd be stupid to not take the money and buy something else that I really love to replace it. Or I could trade it for something else I love at the market price. Two things. Once again, return on investment. A thousand is not necessarily return on investment. I think we have to talk a lot more than that for like in the publishing sphere. Mm-hmm. Right? So you Barack Obama's autobiography, you can you can think six figures at least. And four figures and but four figures. Look, I, I'm trying. I, I think I think the his, I think the uh, history of this podcast barely has four figures in terms of listenership. I consider that great, but it, but it's not enough to make it a life, right? And oh, what's the other point I want to bring up? I remember remember I made the joke about Saint Tail or. Referred to to selling off the Saint Tail DVDs yeah. at the at the Nomonoichi. Mm-hmm. I remember the correspondence I had, trying to ha- uh, with the person who bought it ultimately, trying to ask for it a little less. Right, I just simply replied, "I know this is not around anymore. I have to keep it at this price because I know it's worth." The, at least this much and probably could be worth more uh, in the future if I decide to hold, hold on to it. And the young lady ultimately bought it at the price I did. Uh, I put it at. And just like everything else, maybe I lowballed it. I don't know. I do know the St. Tail anime has not been re-released. So... 
that could be return on investment for her if she looks at it that way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, just to finally wrap this up a little bit, uh, around then, this, then we'll do the bullets. Around this time, uh, Matt, who is a who is the owner publisher of Starford Books, he posted a little, a little series of tweets about reprints because <laughs> he's a small publisher. Fun facts about reprints: one, Japanese rights holders are most likely to have the say. Number two, what is the return? Yes, 300 people on Twitter will want it, but will that pay off? That's the thing. That's why that's we, what we talked about. That's yes. why we yeah. say vocal yeah. minority, yes. That's right. And, and there's your return on investment point again. Will JP side even allow reprints in their contract? The point three. That's the thing, too. So we, we may have, we may, this may not even be a conversation. Shoujo Beat may not even have the rights to even think about that. Because, and well, on the ebook side too, yeah, if they're the that thing, old, they might have to renegotiate to get that done. And that's what's happened in the past for older series. How, uh, then those rights are usually separate. Or I, you know, when you first license the series, they're probably done together nowadays. But well, in, you now, but back then, back then, yeah, you probably like uh, unless you are ha- you have a evolution in technology type clause then it's just print. And you have creators who are against digital. We've brought that like up. Like Naoki Urasawa, like we talked about in the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know with... I think Mori's also the one Bride's Tale and Emma, because I haven't seen any digital on those ones. Mm, Kawamori? Interesting. Yeah, Kawamori. But yes, and we've brought that up in the past. And I believe... Uh, what was it? I think Togashi too is has his apprehensions because uh, his stuff. I believe, like in terms of the Shonen Jump vaults, like Yu Hakusho is not included. Okay, uh, but continue your point. Continue the points, and then we'll uh, four wrap it up. Print runs for most manga publishers aren't small. Maybe for small press, but the big guys print big numbers. Five. Printing a series with no major anime currently running or in the works, I would think, would be a factor. That was brought up. And then... You have to generate buzz. You have to have something... Like, as I said... It has to bolster your campaign because if no one's going to listen to you, right, you're going to have them just sitting in the warehouse. That's why the Man of Fish reprint happened. You have to prop Mm -hmm. it up sometimes. That's the way the media mix works. Does the publisher still have print rights or is it digital only? Seven, does the publisher have to put any other money up front for reprinting? Yep, lots of things that the common fan wouldn't think about and maybe shouldn't need to think about, to be honest. But, yeah, things aren't always that simple. Because maybe the financial game changes when they do a reprint and even if it's not a popular series and stuff like that, the financial agreement may change depending on the contract and stuff like that. The percentage going both ways, so that may add more, not just, okay, we're just going to print it and add that cost. You know what I mean? There's always a what's in it for me on the other side. And obviously the printing cost will change because over time, it's probably higher now than what it used to be. But but fans can be fan are allowed to be fans. It's just that... 
that doesn't mean they're entitled. They can express. Are we going to talk about other uh, entitled fans in our quick bullets? <laughs> in, a, in a bit. Uh, I do want to, can, uh, let's wrap it. I do want to wrap up this thought. Can we come back to Nancy and Viz and Shoujo? And Shoujo, Shoujo B? B? Just, just a final word for them. Okay. Like, what do we say to the, uh, what, like, I, I, as I said, I, I, I overall defend them. And the way that's, that this uh, conversation has gone. Because it would be nice to, you know, get the train, get the train to come back into the station on this. And times do change. Maybe there are, and maybe we can get somewhere, you know, now. But once, once again, using all those cliches, once the train leaves the station, it's hard to, for it to come back. You can't always put the genie back in the bottle. That's why it's kind of amazing. Like Arya got three kicks to the can. Finally, the third try was mm -hmm. what completed it. But yeah, it went from uh, so many things like ADV manga to Tokyo Pop to finally uh, Tokyo Pop again. Well, for me, it's... I'm amazed Akita Shoten let them do that again. For me, it's just... I'll just try and put on the rose-colored glasses for a bit and say everything is evolving anyway. I think, and and what we're talking about now, and what may or may not be popular now, will could still will, like it's just not it's a never ending game, so who knows? I think it comes back to one of the uh, license announcements from Anime Expo we saw, Mike, and that's Marmalade Boy being re released by Seven Seas uh, and Omnibus and stuff like that. I think for those type of series from Viz and stuff like that. You never know. Maybe they still have the rights. Maybe they don't have the rights. So you never know. Maybe yeah, someone that, like Seven Seas or another publisher and, can pick it up just and, like Seven Seas is using their ghost ship line to basically pick up all these remnants from uh, Viz that they don't want to uh, publish because they're too risque. And that's probably where, and that's probably another part of the story. It's not as if that's Viz's call. It's not as if that's for Nancy to say. Well, it is Viz's call in the end. Well, in some ways, because like, it's not—it's definitely not Nancy's call. Okay, but because okay, because she's not the one who licenses these titles. It's whoever is higher up the chain who makes those decisions is the one who you would technically hold responsible. But again, this is a business. The so, series is so the, at, mo at most, they, Viz can say okay. Here's our price for it. You can publish it, but here's our price for it to another publisher. No, because they, they use that to, line. No, they would have to. Oh, because we we're talking shoujo. Because the shoujo beat line is their baby. Like theoretically, if Viz didn't have the print rights for a series anymore, they like whatever prospective company that would want to license it would have to go back to Shueisha or Shogakukan or Hakusensha. Or whatever publisher to negotiate that license. Though in theory, you could argue that the bulk of the work is done. But then again, in manga, I don't know if a lot of the, the time they retranslate. So I hate to tell yeah. you, they're still probably going to have to go retranslate. Some, there's and a that's, that's and that's the bulk of the cost. And that is still some extra cost to think about. And, and then even on the Viz side. 
just because Shueisha and Shugaku Khan and stuff like that are the parent company, it's not always a given they're going to get a series and stuff like that well, because it's the conversation between the suits in the like room saying, that we never get to see. Right? I know. That's like saying Warner Brothers as a distributor for the original Kenshin movie or anything concerning Sony. Because I know for when Viz released several old Tokyo Pop titles for digital only release, those were the Tokyo Pop files. Mm-hmm. But, but yes, uh, what what you were saying, James. Sometimes you you may have to do the extra work again because you don't know if the English publisher had the rights to the work or not. You don't know if it actually reverted back to Japan. Japan, yeah. like usually it does revert back to Japan. At least when we think about it from the anime licensing perspective, but we don't know. It all depends on the contract, really, and mm-hmm. each contract is its own beast. Okay. Well, we'll see what what ultimately comes out. All right. How much time do we have to do uh, uh, the bullets? And yeah, I know we're using that term again, but... We can probably do do a couple and stuff like that. We were talking about uh, shows that people uh, really, really want and are complaining uh, to everyone and their mother about. So... uh, Item. You want me to start this one? So we'll start with uh, what Netflix did? Yep. And I think... Was it actually... No, it was Disney Plus, I thought, had... A deal with them on the live action well, front, remember? And, this is, and that's this is why where, I want a continuation. Why, yeah, this is yeah. like a, a follow-up to what we talked about. So, item. Netflix to add 13 anime titles in Nippon TV deal. And of note on those titles, the 1997 Berserk, Death Note, From Me to You, Nana, Hajime no Ippo, Monster... This, 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 this has my attention... Yeah. Yeah, you, t- you you brought it up why this has my attention. Because we talked Nippon TV before, but that's when they licensed live-action properties to Disney Plus a few months back. And some of that was, they, I guess, were doing a bit of co-production and stuff like that, and some of that mm-hmm. was uh, Kentaro and stuff like that, and classic stuff that you normally wouldn't think would come over. And let me, uh, let me just, just a quick aside, because... Okay, let's go through this, and then I'll, 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 I'll say something on the Disney side. Just go ahead. Uh, well, let's see. Uh, a few of them, I think, came out uh, September 1st, but that was just the major ones. Like Hunter Hunter 2011 had 38 episodes come out, or on High School Coast Club, and then uh, Claymore. But the other ones, they said following at a different date. We don't know when that's going to be. Some of them have come out before on streaming, like Nana, Hajime no Ippo, uh, Parasite the Maxim, so that's the uh, newer series. And then, of course, we talked Death Note and stuff like that. But yeah, From Me to You is going to be interesting, both seasons, season one, season two. But then the big oh, one, as we talked... Love bre- that series. Yeah, the, the other one that is big, as we talked about, was Berserk 1997 mm-hmm. series, and then Monster, because those two people have been bothering Discotech and other small people saying... We want this. We want this. And people are saying, well, it's it's kind of a tough beast to get some of these things, especially Monster. They said a lot of people said there was a difficulty untangling that to release it physically. And the only physical release that is probably the best in English is from Australia. The, That's R4. Out of, the R4 release, yeah. Which is Siren Visual. And that one, they actually, I don't know how they did it, but they got the original soundtrack music in that Viz was not able to do that. 
And all we have from Viz physically is just that first box set. They did dub and release everything digitally, but unfortunately, it's just nothing to do uh, on the physical side. And then on Berserk 1997, no one knows, like that's in the ether at the moment. Media Blasters obviously lost the license, never come out on Blu-ray here. It has a Blu-ray release, came out recently in France, I believe. Oh. But all we have is just the DVD remaster from uh, the mid-aughts and stuff like the, that. which the is awesome. of War, I think that was? Yeah, it's the Thin Pack. And that one is probably the best we had seen it because at that time, the other DVDs had issues that media, other Media Blast properties had, which was they had mono uh, audio on some of the tracks sometimes on certain episodes. But that one they corrected for the uh, Berserk 1997 uh, Box of War, the Light Pack one, where they remastered. And that, I'm guessing, as Kevin would say, went up in price. I'm guessing even that monster, that one box that went up uh, in price, the one Viz released, but at least they got all uh, for Monster, the dub and the sub, out onto uh, streaming. But it's good to see Monster out probably the same dub and sub streaming again. And then it's great to see Berserk 1997. It's never been on streaming anywhere in English. So this will be a first for that one. Legally. <laughs> no, legally, yes. <laughs> I'm just more impressed with how uh, NTV is just going to a couple different streamers with various types of properties. These are, more, these are retro properties, though. And, I mean, that though, may, I make it sound like it's such a bad thing. These are classics. And I think it's interesting, too, because, remember, they probably went to Disney Plus as well. But I think for Disney Plus and Netflix, I think it's impressive to get the deal anyway with Netflix. Because, as we said, it's like the hot new thing everyone talks about. That's probably what they're watching when they're watching on Netflix, when they're watching on Crunchyroll. So hopefully someone finds it in the algorithm and watches these shows because they're classic and they're great. I think there's a good likelihood because who would have thought that Baki would be more popular with non-anime fans than anime fans? <laughs> you never know. Okay, I, I just want to save a word for the way for the uh, Disney Plus side of the equation and the properties they do have. I know that one of the most noteworthy properties, at least to me, was a live action. It was the latest live action version of Kendachi. That that was part of the deal. That's that was one of the titles in that deal with Disney Plus. That 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 has come out already on on the streaming service. Which, by the way, is doing a what is it? A Disney Disney Plus Day dollar. If you're if you are willing to do a one month subscription, it's two bucks for for a month. Mm. Until, but that's but just that, like fishing at that point, where it's like, oh, just try it, and then you're gonna forget about, it, and then we got you for an, at least another month. And this is why, whenever I sign up for this kind of stuff nowadays, because I got burned once too. Oh, and Crunchyroll, and, and I forgot, and you got the, and you had to pay another month. Yep. The so now what I do one is immediately cancel and stuff like that immediately. Well, they actually okay. That's that's and then I you'll have that. until the rest of the month. I respect yeah. that. Crave does them. it too. So what I do now, I as soon as I subscribe, you 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 put I in your immediately calendar. put in my calendar. Yeah, last day to cancel. Yes, I know that. I figured you do that because I only pay for Spotify when they do the three month. 
for $10 promos that they do. Mm-hmm. So you bet your ass. I put on my calendar last day to cancel Spotify premium on this date. And I, I did that like, with the athletic and I do way. several one day reminders like during the last week to yeah. remind myself. To I, I, I do that with the, I did that with the athletic cause I was able to get, uh, Six months of the athletic for a dollar each month. Oh yeah, I remember mm-hmm. seeing that. Promo. And then I, I, did, I liked it. I liked what I read so much. I took a took out a year for I think twenty bucks. Their anyway. stuff is usually pretty decent. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was good writing. And, and anyway, um, so I. But the thing was, I didn't do that, so I had to look at the uh, at my credit card bills just to make sure. <laughs> but some of them, yeah, you want to double check and yes. stuff like that um, because a lot of the ones I did, like I said, I was able to go into the credit card thing and say, you know what. I don't want to do this anymore and I can go back and reactivate if yeah. I want. But what's nice is it tells you, oh, we're sad you're leaving. But it says you can keep using our service till this day. And I'm like, that's fine. That's cool. <laughs> okay. Uh, the, the, the shout out I want to give or the thought I want to give was to, to the Kandachi series. Once again, Johnny's Associates. Uh, Johnny's Associates uh, guy is, play, is in the lead role of um, Hajime himself. I forgot the name. Because that's not the name I want to talk about. It's who plays Miyuki, mm-hmm. the main the main female lead. Um, her name is Moka Kami Shiraishi. That's her name. She's an actress. She's twenty two years old, and she's a uh, up and coming. Um, I know that she's won an award already for uh, as an up and coming actress. And I presume because of her background and she might know English because it's her older sister that we might know a little bit more. Mona Kami Shiraishi is the lead voice in Your Name. So this is the younger sister of the star of Your Name we're talking about here. So uh, she, um, Mona played uh, Mizuha in, in that movie. So... And I know she play. She can speak English fluently. She's done uh, an NHK World comedy in English. So, um, yeah, that's who I want to point out. At least in talking about this, I may take out the. I may take out the month just to watch that, and that might be the only thing I'm interested in watching. And there's, I know there's a lot of other stuff that might be worth my while. Just I don't have time, and I'm not totally sure. I, I totally, I'd be lucky enough to be able to get through. Uh, Kendachi. Anyway, that's uh, that, uh, that's what I found so fascinating about this uh, about this announcement. Uh, one more bullet. Sure. One okay, more, you got uh, you have the other one too. So actually, it was funny when we were talking about things that they can play off each other, and the funny rumor on the street and, and, about Disney Plus is they may likely have the new Bleach anime and stuff like that in the fall and stuff like that, and that's going to be four seasons or four cores long so that'll be interesting to see if that comes uh, to pass and stuff like that i could see it happening that way because crunchyroll's already filled up with chainsaw man and uh, spy family but that would be something to see even though i know people were saying like viz has the license and stuff like that it's just a matter of viz does not have a streaming service so obviously they have to go to someone else <laughs> Anyway, but the last thing we're saying is since we're talking about uh, dead media and stuff like that, I had a little one someone sent me this week. This one was from uh, Nintendo Life. They had posted it. It was talking about the UK and about the most profitable uh, format 
in the UK for physical media between uh, last year and this year, looking at the first uh, 35 uh, weeks in dollar terms or pound sterling's terms. And this was from uh, Chris uh, Dring, and he's from uh, gamesindustry.biz, kind of similar to NPD and stuff like that, who does numbers for video games and other things. But they have a chart, and it's kind of interesting. Number one format for physical entertainment in the UK, and I think it would be similar in other Western regions too. What do you guys think the number one format, physical format, was in the UK for the first 35 weeks in 2021, 2022? Dollar. Dollar-wise. Yeah, dollar-wise. Well, I already saw the article. So, yeah. What do you think, Kevin? I'll put a wrong answer, just to, just to, say, just to use the sound effect. I'll say oh. vinyl. <laughs> Wasn't it the Switch? It was the Switch. Oh, come on. It was the switch. <laughs> so, yeah, because remember, they're still doing physical stuff for, and it's weird because even though some of these systems, right, like the Xbox and the PlayStation, stuff like that, they're using Blu-rays and Ultra Blu-rays and stuff like that now, they actually put them into their own category. So Switch was number one in 2021, 2022. They had in 2021 for that one, for the Switch uh, cards, it was 100 one million three hundred thirty eight actually no it was even more than that yeah three hundred thirty like it was a big number pound sterling and then this year it looks like it's uh 88 uh, million uh, 650 like it's a massive number so even though it went it's down tapered but that's still number one yeah and then you had said vinyl albums. That is number two. And I think that's a story in itself. And they have talked about that's for a number a, of years, right? Yeah. How it's made this comeback. And I guess it's people like the sound that it has and that we've seen these record players again. The, and the, even people like to use the word warmth in describing the sound of a record. And that's why it's funny that it's not on here, but you heard tape cassettes. People are bringing that back. And that had terrible sound quality. Well, the, there's some and really and degree. Yeah. People want VHS back. What? No, no, we were uh, saying audio cassette, audio cassette. Oh, wow. that's not any better. But that's not any better because it's a similar principle. So, yeah. Wow. And so number three was uh, the PlayStation Four and Five. So that's Blu-ray and Ultra Blu-ray. And they were basically uh, number three. They were in the 70 uh, million pounds. It's just interesting how they divide video game formats. Yeah, like Xbox Series again, 1 and Series X, it was number seven. But, but I guess that's fair because we're talking about, like, we're talking about physical media for each game systems as being their own format. Mm -hmm. And that's fair because we're talking about the Switch. This is in the context of the Switch. And then CD albums was number four. But the interesting part is what we're talking, what anime uh, would be on, and that's DVD and Blu-ray. And DVD and Blu-ray, basically, uh, in 2021, DVD was number six, and then Blu-ray's number, sorry, DVD was number five, and Blu-ray was number six. And then the next year, it's the same, but definitely DVD took a hit. It went from 83 million pounds, thereabouts, to 66 million pounds thereabouts blu-ray went from 47 to 52 million pounds from 2021 to 2022 so obviously it changes year to year but it was interesting it just gives you the headspace of 
our market is not as big as you think when certain things like video games and other things are getting like that amount of money. Like it tells you the power of streaming and the power of one and done and the power of actually wanting to own something. Like I think that's definitely gone down in the minds of people and stuff like that. Well, in certain formats, in certain mediums. And then even the DVD, like it's go, we know it's been going down, but I think even those numbers still surprise me because it feels high in my mind. But then as I told you, Mike, I said some of it may be an older demographic where they've had the thing is like, if it works, don't throw it out. Right. So they're still just watching probably something else there. Right. Yeah, the older demographics. Well, they're not as in tune to the to the to newer technologies. That's just a lot of it. But sometimes they it just doesn't take they it doesn't take too much to satisfy at that uh, at that stage in that uh, for those for people at that point in their lives. I think I can say that I speak for myself in that sense as I'm getting there. But yeah, a lot of this, it was an interesting tweet, an interesting little timbit they threw out there someone sent me, and it was more of game biz throwing it out there, and they like to do it when they do the numbers for video games and stuff like that, but it was interesting doing a little comparison. It probably might be similar, say, if MPD did something for the North American market. Obviously, it's only a small chunk of reporting because as we know, when they do these things, sometimes they don't look at the, they can't look at the full market, right? Just like book scan and stuff like that. So you take it with a grain of salt, but at the end of the day, it gives you kind of a small peak and saying, wow, it's like kind of went down and stuff like that. Even Blu-ray because Blu-ray is a mature format and stuff like that. And that we had talked about before that maybe we're going to have to look at limited run type of releases like discotech is now starting to do with say, Hey, we only have 1,500 or 2000 of these. And if you want it, get it now because you won't see it again. And they have the actual number on there. So you remember, right? I mean, I look at these and well, we're talking digit like physical formats that of moving of quasi audio and video. I mean, we don't talk, there's no print because that's something else altogether. Mm-hmm. But this is, I, I just thought interesting. And Maybe where maybe this is one of those where the puck is moving when it comes to at least the manga, uh, the anime side, in the future. Yeah, and even on the video game side, people are buying digital, sorry, uh, physical uh, video games and stuff like that. But we've seen them ramp up their stores for uh, PlayStation, for Microsoft, for Nintendo, and stuff like that, and that they are growing. So it's kind of coming although, late, but it's going the same way. Yeah, as what I'll, although the strange the part is, and this is. Coming to what Lawrence said last week when uh, when we mentioned him, mm-hmm. GameStop didn't have that much of a pre- that much of a presence at Fan Expo because they were the major sponsors of the gaming area. So who was the major sponsor then of the gaming area? Because remember, it was like EB Games. It's I think like they Game still might have been. It's just I, I don't know. I can't because I wasn't there. See, I I, I it's just I wonder. Like that's it's just an interesting thing to me, but I don't know what else to say about it because the switch is its own. The switch is its own thing clearly, and you two are switch users. I'm curious, but not curious enough to have a switch at this point. Although if I can get one for no extra cost and build up my um, optimum points, well, 
Why buy another console that you're barely going to play? Very, very good. Very well said. Truly. <laughs> no, that, that's but an honest statement. It's as they say, it's the software or what's on the disc or the cart or whatever that sells those things, right? Sells those formats. And as we know, it's they came in guns a-blazing, as we talked earlier about Nintendo with their Switch games, and they've kind of rode it along the way. And Okay. Anyway, but... That's a thought. Anyway, we're, we've gone way over time. Uh, we only intended for this to be an hour, James. We definitely went uh, uh, we more went than close, we thought. We, we went almost two. And, uh, and in the entire time we've taped, the, uh, the finals uh, of the Summer Showdown was playing. And uh, even though Toronto got eliminated by San Francisco, they were probably saved a complete murder at the hands of the Dallas Fuel, who swept the San Francisco Shock four maps to nil to win the summer showdown it wasn't well i don't know how close it was to be quite honest because we mm-hmm. we've only been watching out of the corner of our eye but it looks like a good time was had at the at maple leaf gardens because i uh, we can afford to call it that i think and uh i guess um, we it's supposed it. to be called madame yes i know i know no, I, but I'm it's a, like I'm it's a, like a, it's like a, it's like the fans still calling it sky dome oh no i'm I'm that person who will always call things the way it was called when I was aware of its existence. So yes, I would always call it Maple Leaf Gardens, and yeah. I will always and, call and, it the Molson Amphitheater, even though it's a different sponsor now. Yeah, isn't it Budweiser Stage? Yeah, Bud's Budweiser yeah. Stage. Yeah, because because you know I think here this Bud's for you because or, I think they own because I think oh wait it's or Skydome yeah yeah well the well Air, Air Canada Center okay A- anyway. Well, that, that's about it for tonight, but for today. But, but, but uh, hey, thanks for coming over. Let's, let's do this again before the end of the month <laughs> in some form. And then we'll see if the others uh, happen to pop on by as we well, say. See I mean, what um, Mo's I mean, been uh, watching well, Mo, at TIFF and stuff like that. If he went. Yeah, there's well, TIFF going th- on right That's now. right, TIFF. Well, here's, here's the bit, and, uh, and this is to tie everything else we started at, this, at the start. I didn't know about Queen Elizabeth's death until you and Amy texted saying it it's finally happened. And well, that I was that Mo question, that said that. Mo, Mo said happened. that, I think, yeah. And I put a question mark. And then as I sat down in my seat, all these notifications started to pop up on my phone. Queen dead at 94. Yeah, because Mo would make those queen dead jokes every so often. <laughs> so, and for what it's worth, Mo is still sick. Amy is i i presume i presume she's either you know busy with work because i know it was a first a busy first week at work uh, for the year or 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 sick from going to the cne because we talked about food well i I thought it was all healthy like the sandwiches john a bun that someone was kind of you know what that 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 picture wasn't it was a sausage and a bun but it wasn't a sausage on a bun, it was a sausage sitting beside a bun on a plate. So, yeah, that's false advertising right there. And they didn't deep fry it, and they didn't coat it in, like, pebbles, uh, cornflakes, which or makes whatever it, else. Which is, bo- which is both health, which makes it this one both healthier and not as much fun. There's always next year, James. Always next year. So is there anywhere anyone could contact us? Or are we going to leave them in suspense, Mike? Well, there's always 
AnimeRoundtable at gmail.com, at AnimeRoundtable, AnimeRoundtable.com. And maybe we'll add something to Twitch and YouTube by the end of the year. Uh, Twitch.tv slash AnimeRoundtable in our YouTube channel. As for the podcast side, you can always leave us a review if you're able to. And please do. Wherever you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or whatever else you get your podcasts on. Because reviews and good reviews, once again, could help us in the algorithm. We would like your five-star reviews, please, and thank you. During the pandemic series, we had been trying to do things at least on a bi-weekly basis, and then at a point, even a weekly basis. But we're, we'll set our sights a little lower now that things are a little bit more normal. And should I say, we'll try and do something at least twice a month. We've meet, met our quota now on September 11th, but we'll try and do a little bit more. But in any event... Please give us a subscribe, a like, or a follow on any of the platforms we're on so you can be notified when we do put something new. Also, once again, if you have a Spotify account and are not uh, waiting for the, uh, was it, three months for $1 a month deals, please check out our Anime Roundtable playlist for a list of music based on things we've mentioned on this show. The theme song is entitled Fubuki Snowstorm by Piko Misaki, which is the title track of her current album. You can check out more of her music at PikoInfinity.com or her Facebook page, Piko Zen Music. So until next time, thanks for listening. Good afternoon from Toronto, and join us again for another edition of the Anime Round.